going to start reading in Luke chapter 1 this morning. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And when the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the story of the virgin who conceived a child and gave birth. We hear this story every year at this time, and I know it's very familiar. Maybe you are aware that there are some people who consider themselves Christians who don't believe in the virgin birth. They actually don't believe in most of the miracles that are in Scripture. They say they're Christians, but they're too modern, sophisticated to believe that spiritual stuff. Well, I've been talking to you for most of this year about having a spiritual worldview and a spiritual faith, and we don't need to change anything to talk about the Christmas story because it is very spiritual. There's a lot of really wild spiritual stuff that happens in these nine months uh, leading up to the Christmas story or the nativity or the virgin birth or whatever. It's shocking to me that 73% of Americans as a whole believe Jesus was born to a virgin mother. That includes non-Christians as well. That's pretty amazing. 87% of Protestants and 86% of Catholics, but 32% of people who say they have no religion affiliation whatsoever still would say, yes, I believe Jesus was born to a virgin mother. That's amazing. Despite all of our problems and our rotting culture, maybe there is a historical core of godliness in America yet. Just people have just take Christianity for granted, no matter how they behave. There's something there when people who say they're not Christians say, yes, I believe Jesus was born to a virgin, because that's quite a claim, you know. That's a pretty serious claim. That's right up there with resurrection from the dead. Okay, so but the really tragically sad thing is that there are less clergy. That means pastors, ministers, priests, preachers. There are less clergy that believe in the virgin birth than the people in the seats. Between fifty and seventy-five percent, depending on the group, the Methodists being the highest percentage, uh, the fifty to seventy-five percent of the clergy in the Episcopal, Presbyterian, and Methodist Church do not believe in the virgin birth. And in 25% of Catholic priests, how could you be Catholic and not be impressed with Mary? Like that's, sometimes I wonder if Mary's more important than Jesus. One minister says this, this is a quote, too much serious stuff is going on in the world 
for people in my position, this is a minister speaking, too much serious stuff is going on in the world for people in my position to risk the possibility of sounding remote or irrelevant. For me, it's time to travel beyond the literal landscape. We must move from the fanciful fairy tale and disentangle the truth from the tinsel. Says I'm I, basically saying I'm too sophisticated and the world has moved on and I'm going to too. He calls the nativity story literalist and a fanciful fairy tale and I have to pull the truth out of the tinsel. But in response, um, Reverend David Meredith of the Free Church of Scotland says that this Reverend Freighter offers a Christmas without angels, a virgin, or a bright star. It reminds me of my first attempt of making soup. It looked okay at first, but after 10 hours of boiling, it had zero nutritional value. <laughs> so this virginless nativity is an inert, gelatinous, non-offensive blob of niceness. Non-belief like this is the reason hundreds of churches in Scotland are hung with for sale signs. That's a quote from Reverend David Meredith. But there's a Reverend John Spong, who's an Episcopal bishop in New Jersey. He writes, The miracle stories of the New Testament can no longer be interpreted in a post-Newtonian world as supernatural events performed by an incarnate deity. This guy is the leader of the church the Episcopal Church for the entire state of New Jersey, and he says, I believe in science. Is Gerald the only one that got that? (laughs) We can no longer interpret miracle stories as supernatural events performed by an incarnate deity. It's not not a coincidence that this so-called church leader believes neither in the virgin birth nor a resurrection or hell or creation. To these so-called ministers who have decided not to believe in the virgin birth, I would say you can't not believe what has been Orthodox Christianity for 2,000 years and call yourself a Christian. The truths of Scripture are not democratic. They're not up for a vote of confidence. They're certainly not individually decided. You and I must decide whether we align ourselves with them or not. But no one is allowed to decide that they know something that no Christian has ever believed before. We're in this together and these people who call themselves Christians and even ministers but deny the virgin birth are not Christians. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's ironic that unspiritual people call us fools and blind, but Jesus and Paul said it's actually those without faith that can't see. We can't cherry-pick stories or truths out of the Bible. Thomas Jefferson tried that. He wrote a book called The Philosophy and Morals of Jesus Christ, and he literally used scissors to cut the pages out of the Bible, and he removed every miracle and every claim of deity regarding Jesus and left the rest of it. That is the most Pharisee thing he could do, because all he's left with is rules and morals without the supernatural or any deity. Do you see that? We can't cherry-pick 
stories and truths out of the Bible. It's a whole self-contained package that relies on every word, every sentence, or the entire book unravels. But apparently, there are some people who trip over the virgin birth. In evangelical Protestant churches, the belief in the virgin birth is like 90%, 91%. So I, in a room like this, I realize it's only 1 in 10 people that even have a second question about whether to believe the story that we just read or not. But I want to talk to you who have questions. Um, those of you who don't, you can, you can just help me out. Because I do realize that God did it is quite a claim for an unmarried pregnant girl to make. It's preposterous. It, it really is. It's uh, to tell her fiancé and her family, God did it, is ludicrous. Unless it's true. Ben Witherington, a professor of New Testament at Asbury Theological Seminary, says that the story is so preposterous that it has to be true. Because you wouldn't make that claim unless it was true. He said, why would anyone wanting to create a new religion craft such a far-fetched story? Matthew and Luke feel compelled to tell us the story because they are utterly convinced that that's how it happened. Nobody would believe them unless there was clear, compelling evidence that it actually happened. If you just want nice metaphors that would not raise anyone's hackles, this is not the story you would come up with. <laughs> if we want people to uh, worship Jesus um, without a re- a, an offensive requirement for faith, um, then this is not the story. It is a very extreme claim, and Joseph doubted it. And even Mary asked, how's that going to happen? Since I don't know a man. Even Mary, the woman to whom it happened, tripped over the statement at first. And uh, totally understandably so. But if we deny the virgin birth, if Mary was not an actual physical virgin, if Joseph or some other man was Jesus' earthly father, then we're accusing Mary of lying, and we're accusing Joseph of lying, we're accusing Luke and Matthew of lying, we're accusing God of lying, and you reject the Bible as perfectly factually true, and you remove any spiritual reality and spiritual life from the story. And you don't end up with a nice, cozy, meaningful, religious story. You end up with a betrayal. Because God said it happened this way, but then you don't believe it. In, in lack of faith, you're being betrayed by God, actually. Gary Burge, professor at Wheaton College, said to remove the miraculous from Christmas is to remove the central story of Christianity. It would dismantle the very center of Christian thought and take away the keystone on the arch of Christian theology. In Jesus, we don't have a prophet who simply speaks as a human being about God. We have the Son of God who presents the Father to us. It's a huge difference. Absolutely huge. Still quoting Professor Burge, put in jeopardy the virgin birth and Christianity simply becomes a human gesture instead of a divine revelation. If Jesus was not virgin born, then he was not the son of God. If he was not the son of God, then he's just another crucified man. And he's not the sacrifice that would redeem the sins of the world. So if we deny the virgin birth, if Mary was not actual physical virgin, if Joseph or some other man 
was Jesus' earthly father, then Jesus is not God. If Mary's lying, then the entire Bible unravels, and none of it's true, and don't believe any of it. Do not call yourself a Christian. If God is lying in that book, then we can't trust him. And if Mary got secretly pregnant by Joseph, or she cheated on Joseph and got pregnant by another man and then made up this ridiculous story that God did it, if that's a made-up story, then Jesus isn't God. He's just another man like any man in this room. And he isn't our Savior. He couldn't be our Savior. He has to be God because all humanity is fallen, sinful, and defiled. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The next verse is Psalms 143.2. In your sight, no one living is righteous. Romans 3.10-12 says, that is, this is quoting the Old Testament, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. It would be impossible for Jesus to be our Savior if he isn't God. Because if he's just another man, then he's just as sinful as the rest of us. We tend to want to define sin as things that we do, but sin is our state of existence. David says in Psalm 51, I was conceived guilty of sin. And this verse in Romans proves it, that we are born in sin. We're born guilty because we are separated from God and we need a Savior. There is no one human who can be perfect. There is no mere man who can save us. No one solely human is acceptable to God. So Jesus has to be God. He can't be just a man. He has to be God's son. He must have been born without an earthly father or the whole story is undone and we are hopeless. If Jesus is not God, then one of two things is true. If Jesus is not God, then he's not perfect. Hello? So when the Bible says that he didn't sin, that's another lie we would have to believe in order to not believe in the virgin birth. We'd have to believe that the Bible's lying when it says he didn't sin because there is no perfect person. If he's not perfect, then his death might be an act of extreme love, but it's delusional. He's nut. He is totally off his rocker. If he thinks he's the Savior and the Son of God, even if he truly believed it, it's crazy and it doesn't save us if he's not perfect. The only other option is that his perfection, if he's not God, if he wasn't born of a virgin and he's not God and he's just another man, but let's just suspend all rational reality and let's just say, okay, maybe he was perfect. Maybe he didn't ever sin, just as a normal man then he is the ultimate Pharisee. His perfection would have to be out of total willpower, self-control, obey every rule, bite my tongue, clench my fist, self-righteousness all day, every day. I force myself to be perfect. 
And we all know where that goes. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do. So what the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament is God's demonstration. You can't do it. You have to have a Savior. It's not humanly possible to be perfect. It's not even possible to be good. So if Jesus is just a man, if he isn't God, then either perfection is a lie or we would have to believe that his perfection came from willpower, self-control, which we all know is an utter failure. So I want to read a quote to you from a thousand years ago. This is Anselm. He's a, the Bishop of Canterbury a thousand years ago. He's writing about the impossibility of Jesus just being a human and our Savior at the same time. He says, Do you not perceive that if any other being should rescue man from eternal death, then man would rightly be adjudged as the servant of that being? Now, if this be so, he would in no wise be restored to that dignity which he would have been his if he had never sinned. For he who was to be through eternity only the servant of God and an equal with the holy angels would now be the servant of a being who was not God and whom the angels did not serve. Let me translate that for you. If Jesus is a normal biological human and not divine in nature, if he is not divinely conceived in a virgin's womb, but for some illogical reason, the rest of the gospel is true. All right, so let's put on our unreality caps, like these so-called ministers who say they're Christians but don't believe in the miraculous, and say, okay, fine, Jesus is just a biological man, Mary lied, he's fathered by a man, but the rest of the gospel story is true and he's our savior. Where does that lead us? It leads us to this, that if Jesus is some biological human, but he's still our savior, then we have a normal human man as a savior. And he died for us, but God did not die for us. So our allegiance is to a man, not God. Do you see it? If we're going to deny the virgin birth and Jesus isn't God, he's just a good man. But he died for us and he's our savior, which is completely impossible. But let's just go there for a moment for the sake of argument. Then he died for us, not God. So we owe our lives and allegiance to a human man, not God. And he restored us to himself, not to God. It's impossible. It's not possible. That's what Anselm is Writing, we would become the servants of a normal human man just as any other human man, and we're not the servants or children of God. To deny the virgin birth, Jesus' sinless conception, and his divinity, but then still say that the rest of the gospel is true. It's not possible. If you believe, if someone believes that Jesus is not literally divine, then you would fit in really well in the Mormon church or the Jehovah's Witnesses across the street. Both of those groups believe that he's a created human who became God. Any teaching that denies the humanity or the divinity of Jesus, it's both at the same time. It's a paradox, but they're both true. He's totally human and he's totally God. Anything that denies either half of that to any shade or any mount ends up being a cult. It's a heresy. 
Christian Smith, a Notre Dame professor of religion, says, if God is not capable of a miracle like the virgin birth, then what kind of God is that? He said, if you abandon the doctrine of Jesus being fully God and fully human at the same time, then he becomes just a great teacher. But then what is the point of death on the cross if it doesn't bring us back to God with us? Colossians 2.9 says this of Jesus, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus is God. Philippians 2.6 says he was in very nature God. John 1.1 through 3 and 14 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is eternal, uncreated. He is God who became flesh. He took on a human body. He was not created. He was not just a man either. He is both uncreated and a man. Hebrews 10, 14 says, By one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Jesus has perfected us forever. Now, I could have somebody die for me. They could step in front of an eye for a bullet for me. But that doesn't make me perfect. Hello? It saves me, but it doesn't make me perfect. If Jesus is only a man, then his death on the cross might be great love. But it doesn't make me perfect. He has perfected us forever because his life, his sacrifice, his blood was perfect. Unlike any of ours. He's not just our savior, he's our perfecter, and no human man can do that. Jesus Christ was indeed born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, begotten by God, not an earthly man. His divine nature makes him fit for the work of Redeemer, but his human body allows him to shed the blood that's necessary for redemption. No human being could pay such a debt. No one else could meet the requirements to become the sacrifice of the sins of the world. Jesus is God. He's fathered by God, born of a virgin. But still, somebody's going to say, but Mitch, how? Mitch, biology. Come on. Biology, Mitch. Doesn't happen. You're right. That's why we call it a miracle. Because we know it doesn't happen. We understand that virgins don't get spontaneously pregnant. We understand that water does not spontaneously turn to wine. We understand that bread does not spontaneously multiply. We understand that it's impossible to walk on water. Which is why we call it a miracle. Because we do know science. We know biology and chemistry and physics. We get that. We're not denying any of that. We are saying there is an intelligent being who has purpose and power and intellect and intention who lives outside of that system and he can do whatever he wants in this system. We believe, we totally believe in science. We get biology and chemistry and physics and astronomy and mathematics and gravity and we we get it all. We understand. But that there is an intelligent person 
who has by his own intention, meaning he does it on purpose, takes action in our otherwise closed system that we call the universe, the physical universe, and he can do, he can change that. And in ways that don't make sense to us, there is an intelligent action by an, a purposeful being to do something that cannot happen naturally. That's the definition of a miracle. That there's an intelligent being who takes intentional action, meaning he does it on purpose, to do something that cannot happen naturally. One more time. There's an intelligent being, meaning he has a mind and a plan and he's doing it on purpose, takes intentional action to create something that cannot happen naturally. That is the definition of the construction of this building. Intelligent people took intentional action to put something here that would never have happened naturally. That's the manufacture of your vehicle in the parking lot. That would never happen by purely natural forces. But nothing unnatural happened in the construction of this building or the manufacture of your vehicle. It's just that we have so much more intelligence and we can use a lot of force to make lumber and steel and glass and plastic. We're not violating any law of science. But we're doing something completely unnatural by sawing logs or forging steel or making glass. It would never happen unless there was an intelligent being taking intentional action to create something that wouldn't happen on its own. So to the squirrels and deer and the ducks, they look at roads and think, what is that? Well, an intelligent being took intentional action to create something that is unnatural. But nobody looks at a road and says, well, I don't believe in roads. I don't believe in cars because they don't happen naturally. That would never evolve. Yes, biology. Amen. We're all for it. Yes, chemistry. Yes, physics. We're all for it. Yes, math. Yes, it's great. But anything that's man-made is unnatural by any of those definitions. But anything that we make doesn't violate any of those. We just take the environment and shape it to our purposes. Yes? So anything that's God-made is also going to be unnatural. But it doesn't mean that it can't happen. Our intelligence is so far ahead of the ducks on Lad Marsh that look at the freeway and wonder, what is that? What are all those things out there? That's, I went over this in the spring a lot, but it's the same thing as us looking at the spirit world. What is that? We can see that it's there, but we don't understand it at all because it's so far above our existence and our intelligence. And so, yes, we agree that that virgins don't get spontaneously pregnant. And we're not claiming that Mary got spontaneously pregnant. We're claiming that she got intentionally pregnant. It wasn't her intention. It was God's intention. God took action intentionally to do something that wouldn't otherwise happen. But he didn't cheat anything. It, if you believe in a God, 
then it's really easy to believe in miracles. Because you believe that there is a higher being, and by higher I mean more intelligent and more powerful and completely unstoppable and there's nothing he can't do out there. And and it's really easy to believe in miracles that he could manipulate this environment however he wants to because we do. Within our human constraints, we manipulate the environment and make stuff that's unnatural. So why can't he? <laughs> so again, these people who claim to be Christians and believe in a God, but then they don't, they have trouble with miracles. Like, it's really easy to believe in miracles if I believe in a God. And actually, if I say I'm a Christian and I believe in God, but I don't believe in virgin births and water into wine and walking on water, if that if I'm, if I'm skeptical or disbelieving of miracles, that is inexpressibly insulting to God. God, I believe you're there, but you're too stupid and impotent to do anything that I don't understand. There are no words for how insulting that is. To say that you believe in God, but then doubt miracles. God, I believe you're there, but I don't think you have any power or any right or any way to do anything you want. It's actually very easy for me to believe in a virgin birth because I believe in God, because I take God's existence and his interaction with us as a priori assumption. Then, it, then it's easy for me to believe that he can do whatever he wants in Mary's womb. And because I do believe Mary's testimony... I believe Joseph, I believe Luke and Matthew, and I believe Jesus, and I believe this book. And that I can't cut a single sentence, a single word out of this, or the entire thing is then untrustworthy and irrelevant, and I'm hopeless, and I'm wasting my time. If Jesus was fathered by some earthly man, he's not my God. I don't want to follow another man. Everybody's failed me, and I've failed everybody else. But if God put on a human body and came to be God with us, if he loved me enough to put on flesh to show me who God is, to die for my sins and then raise from the dead to defeat death ahead of me so that I can follow him through, I'm going to follow that man because that's God.